Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom and the things they've learned along the way. When the Wall Street Journal calls someone one of the 10 most inspirational people in the world, there can be absolutely no doubting they are someone incredibly successful and someone incredibly unique. My guest today, Chad Hymas, was described as just that. And for reasons you're about to find out, the label is well justified. In 2001, at the age of 27, Chad suffered a terrible accident that left him quadriplegic. Remarkably, this life-changing accident didn't stop him from achieving anything he set his sights on. He is a successful author, president of his own communications agency, and a world-class wheelchair athlete that has set a world record for wheeling his chair over 500 miles. That's 500 miles. In addition to this, he's an accomplished public speaker. He was one of the youngest people to be included in the prestigious National Speaker Hall of Fame and is a member of the exclusive elite Speakers Roundtable. His inspirational and touching way of speaking cleverly incorporates his story and experiences which he then tailors to suit his target audience. So it gives me great pleasure to welcome our guest today and actually a long-standing friend, Chad Hymas. Chad, welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Thank you very much for having me. So, Chad, you know, in view of what's happened, and we'll come on to talk about your accident at the age of 27, uh, what, 18 years ago now, you're described, and I quote, as having a matchless sense of humour, and I know this from first-hand experience, uh, and share lots of motivational stories about, you know, what's happened to you and what you've learned along the way. How does someone who has encountered so many challenges have a matchless sense of humour? Well, Sandro, I, I I don't know how uh, how funny I am. In fact, if you ask my wife, she'll probably tell you I'm the least funny person in the world. But I will I will say I I do like to laugh. I do like to um, crack jokes, and I and I have to because I think if we're laughing, we're growing, and and if we're not laughing, we're certainly not learning. And so, for my youngsters that are out there, I, I think it's great to laugh and have a great time in school. I, I think it allows you an opportunity to learn. I have to laugh today as I learn through life and as I travel the world without the use of all four of my limbs. If I don't laugh at my body or laugh at circumstances that happen to me, I'm probably going to have a very bad day and I promise you I'm not going to grow. So I've got to find a way to laugh and I do that without question constantly. I'm finding a way to laugh. Yeah, and you absolutely do. From from everything I know of you, Chad, you're absolutely right in what you say. If I may, could I could I take you back to life as it was before 2001? So, because not many people will, many people have heard you speak and they will know all about your story, but not many people will know about the Chad Hymas prior to 2001. So do you mind just sharing a little bit about your upbringing, where you came from, you know, those formative years of your life? Yeah, that's very fair. And I don't think a whole lot of that's written, Sandra, to be honest with you. But I, I um, you know, prior to the accident at the age of 27, I um, I uh, had grown up in a very, very uh, 
uh, modest and and uh, I would I would say conservative household. My my uh, father um, was very athletic and taught me and my. I'm the oldest of four children and taught taught us how to uh, be involved in athletics. And my mom was very stern about our schoolwork and, and still very close to both my parents today. Um, I, I had uh, after high school um, was got married a few years later after after education, uh, got married to the girl that I met and dated in high school Um and uh, and then we started building our dream, and our dream has always been to not live in the city, but to live on on the farm. And so we quickly moved out of the city. Um, I, I was self-employed at the time and had 52 employees as a contractor, and uh, and so we travel into the city, and that afforded me the ability to buy the, the farm that we wanted to, to raise our children on. And uh, Shondell and I shared two little boys together. Um, uh, Christian, he is uh, he was three years old when the accident occurred. And Kyler uh, was just under a year old when the accident occurred. And that um, and I know you know the story and I won't go into it now. But Kyler, if, if you want, if you think about it, he is he is part of the reason that I'm sitting in a wheelchair, not his fault. But but Kyler, who is less than a year old, and maybe that'll captivate the audience a little bit that's listening, less than a year old, he is a big reason of why I'm sitting in a wheelchair today. And so, um, again, not his fault at all, but but kind of unique to, to look at it from that perspective. So do you mind sharing with us then what happened in 2001? Because some people will know the story, many people won't. And obviously we're speaking to you, a large portion of the audience is from the UK. Many people won't have heard of Chad Hymas. They need to, may, may I say, but a lot of us won't know that story. Would you mind sharing that with us? So I was at, I was at work. That's a great question. I was at work that morning and my wife had given me a call telling me that the little boy had just started to walk. Our, our youngest son, who had just under the age of one, had just started to walk. And she asked me if I would hurry home so that I could play uh, play basketball with him and his older brother in the garage. I told her that I would, but I had to get the guys going on the cruise on, on the job site. So I I got the guys going and I and I and I raced back home. And I decided that day to do something a little bit different, and that was to stop by the field first and feed the animals on the farm. So to make a make a long story a little bit short, I um I, I went to the farm. I got on a tractor. And I loaded up a bale of hay to feed the animals. And that bale weighs more than most most any cars in the U.S. and certainly most any cars, um, you know, across the Atlantic. It, it just it weighs a lot. And mm-hmm. I uh, have to use a tractor to use, the, use those bales. And I, as I loaded that bale up and I lifted it up in the air, I saw a red light flashing on my dashboard. And I think this is very important for people to understand. I, I saw that red light, which was an indicator light that my hydraulic system was not working properly, but I ignored it. And I ignored that red light because I have made my tractor work with the red light before. The, the, the message there is very, very simple. Just because you get away with doing something that we know not to be right doesn't make it right. And so mm. I knew that there was a, a malfunction with the machinery, but I chose not to fix it. And as I put that tractor in reverse, the bail which weighs more than a car, flipped over and it landed on my body and it punched my head through the steering wheel and the shaft of the steering column is what went through my mouth and it broke out my my jaw and my teeth. And I, I don't want this to sound gruesome, but, but that's what happened. And 
it broke all the bones of my neck and severed 95% of my spinal cord. And I got to live through that. And uh, I, I don't have an answer for that, but I, I did get to live through that. And, uh, and my wife was able to find me 48 minutes later after the sun went down. I, I was going to say, that was my next question. You were under that bale of hay for quite some time, weren't you? 48 minutes <laughs> yeah, must almost, have felt like I, a I lifetime. Would, yeah. I think, yeah, it seemed like a lifetime. It was definitely longer than an hour. They, they say 48 minutes because that's, we know that I was out there before the sun set because I didn't have the lights on the tractor and the 911 call, the emergency phone call went into dispatch um, after, you know, they have a time after that, 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 that call was received and that calls 48 minutes from the time the sun set to the time that the call went in. And so, you know, I, 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 you know, it's close, close to an hour, if, if not probably mm. a little over an hour that I was trapped underneath there, um, just fighting for air, fighting to breathe through my nose because wow. everything was, you know, was, was not working as far as my mouth was concerned. And mm. I had, a, I wasn't in any pain. There was no pain other than the pain of not being able to breathe, which is pain in and of itself. But, yeah. but as far as the mouth and, and everything being broken, I, I couldn't feel that I was numb. So that the that's where my new life was to begin, Sandra. That that's I mean that took away the doctors were able to fix the broken bones. Um, it would be three and a half months before I would be able to see my kids again. They were able to fix the bones, but they could not. As you know, across the world, there's no cure for a spinal cord that has been severed. Mm. There's just no cure for that. So, Chad, how did you? Uh, I mean, this this may sound like a really trite question, but how did you feel when you became? fully aware of the reality and the extent of your injury? So uh, tr truthfully, I, I struggled. I mean, I, um, my wife, uh, um, and I have plenty of pictures of Shondell and I and our family up on social media. My wife um, is not just beautiful on the outside, not just drop dead gorgeous, but uh, Shondell's got a very, very unique, soft and gentle uh, uh personality, uh, I would say radiant, uh, personality about her. And I, I have a lot of pride and I did not want to live my life and have her take care of me. I didn't, I, I know I say, we say in our wedding vows for better or for worse. I, I know that I realize that, but I certainly didn't think about that when I said, you know, when I said those vows. And so I was willing and I feel bad about saying this, my dear friend, but I, I was willing to compromise on those vows and my wife was not. Mm. And so, uh, you know, it took a lot of, a lot more therapy mentally mm. than it did physically, even though I'm, I'm 95% numb. I mean, mentally I was just, I just, I just didn't, I just didn't like it, Sandro. Mm. I don't know how to say any better than that. Well, you know what, Chad, I, I think that first of all, I would say this about you and I hope this doesn't embarrass you in any way. You are one of the loveliest people I've ever met. And just in your voice, I can hear you live that moment again. And I'm sorry it's so painful for you. But I think that there are so many things to be learned from this. And this is what you've done ever since is share your amazing story and all the things that you've learned along the way. And uh, you've enhanced the lives of so many people. So I salute you for that and for your bravery. And, and I endorse exactly what you've just said about Shandell. Um, she is a, a very, very lovely woman indeed. How did you, um, how did you pick yourself? What were the, what were the steps that you had to take to pick yourself? What was that process you had to go through to move from a very, very dark place in your life and understandably so to 
you know, the, the incredible success that you've become, because we'll, we'll talk about some of those incredible achievements in a moment. But how do you transition? Because a lot of people in that situation, Chad, would have just gone, you know what, I just want to roll over and, and call it a day. But but you didn't, did you? So what 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 was it? Was it your family? Was it the people, your support network? Was it in strength? You know, what was it? I think all the things you just mentioned are correct answers, but I think it's important for our listeners to understand that there's not a transition day where things turn over and everything is all better and your problems disappear. Here's, here's the catch is it's been 18 years since that happened. And I, and I need to get through that almost daily. It's not where I'm still sad about what happened, but, but here's the catch. I'm not focused on my problems anymore. I've, I found a, a, a way to get through it very, very quickly. I mean, I'm in a hotel room about 270 nights a year. Whenever I'm alone in a hotel room, if I let myself go to those dark places or depression or places of sadness, I'm less productive, I'm not happy, and I'll probably end up crying. And so I need to focus on what I have, which is what you just said. I've got a great family. I've got beautiful children. I've got people around me that love me. I have an audience that's waiting for me tomorrow. You know, I, I, if I think about those things, I'm more productive, I'm more successful, and I'm more happy. And so to answer your question in a little bit different aspect and, and, and hopefully do it honestly and do it justice, which is a, a very, very uh, – I, I think your question is profound – is that is that our problems don't they don't there's not a transition where we we go from having s- situations that are bad and then all of a sudden they go away and we're happier more successful it's something that we work on throughout our entire life mm. <clears throat> and the quicker that we can focus on other people and their needs their fears and victories and focus on what we have and not on what we've lost the more success, the more productivity and the more happiness we, we experience. Yeah. I have a lot of friends that focus on their losses and they're very, very depressed. Some of them are suicidal. They're not happy and they're, they're, they don't contribute to the life of somebody else. Mm. I also have a lot of friends that have lost a lot. I have friends that have lost a child. I mean, Sandra, you, 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 you know people that have lost their own children due to an accident. I have friends just like you that have lost a sibling or that have lost one of their friends um, in this life or that might have a physical challenge or an addiction. I mean, we can go on and on and on about what people's losses are. Mm. When we focus on those losses, we're miserable. We're not happy. And so my, my secret sauce is to focus on what I have going right for me and not on what I've lost. And when I do that, my brother, I am. I'm living, I'm living, I'm a better life than most people that can walk. I mean, I'm just, and I don't mean that arrogantly. I don't mean that narcissistically or, or to be a braggart. I'm just saying that when I focus on the little good things that I, that I have going for me, mm. my wife is happier. I'm happier. My kids are happy to be my kids. They, they tell me that they love me and they want me to get their basketball games. Things are good. So I, I'm sorry about the long winded answer, Sandro, but, but, but I think it warrants a truthful answer. There is no need to apologise. And I love the expression secret sauce, by the way. That is going to be one that's going to be my mantra in life from now on. There, um, there you go. <laughs> you you mentioned the word. Now, is, you've just come up with a, a couple of words that I find fascinating just on their own, Chad. 
I think many people would ask you the question, how has your disability stopped you achieving anything? But you use the words physical challenges. And interestingly, as we've been speaking, I've made a note to remind myself to, to mention those two words myself. How have your physical challenges, because in everything I know about you, you don't have a disability because it hasn't stopped you doing anything. So how have your physical challenges, well, have they stopped you doing anything? First of all, that would be part one of the question. Uh, and and two, I know there's lots of things you still have yet to achieve, but um, your world has clearly changed. But are there things that you're you find yourself doing as a result of what's happened? Is there anything that yeah. still holds you back? How, how, uh, let's things things take longer. So I'll give you a couple examples. Again, these questions are well thought out. So thanks for asking some things that I haven't thought about. But one of the things that just came to mind as you asked that is the the we all get dressed every morning. And for me, and for most gentlemen, it, it takes less time to get dressed and get ready in the morning than it does uh, for, for our lady, uh, our ladies that are listening. And for me, it, ta- it takes me, it takes me about an hour and 40 minutes. And that's with an average pair of clothing, maybe some slacks and a shirt without buttons, no buttons. And that's socks and shoes. And then maybe an extra 20, 25 minutes to shave and brush my teeth, put on some cologne and, 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 and be ready to go. That's not counting a shower. That's not a shower. I only shower every 48 hours, every two days. And the reason why is because it takes a lot of time for me to do that. And I do it by myself. Again, I have no arms, no legs. If people want to see that and it's done appropriately, it's done where youngsters can see it as well. You can see it on YouTube just under my name, under Chad Hymas, and it shows a day in the life of Chad Hymas. And you'll see challenges that, 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 that I don't see them as challenges, but, but other people would look at it and say, how's he able to eat his food in a restaurant when his hands don't work? And how is he able to travel the world by himself? Cause I don't travel with a nurse and I'm on the road about 270 days a year. And I, I'm the only paralyzed person with my level of disability or my level of physical challenges that travels alone. I'm the only one that's known of that does that. And so I, I think that I, again, I, I just realized that things take a little bit longer and, and I'm, I need to be patient with myself. Well, I didn't know you only showered every 48 hours and all I can say from uh, everything I know about you, the clone clearly does its work because, uh, Doesn't it? Yeah, thank am- you. amazing. Thank you. So you must, you must email me the details so I can uh, avail myself of that amazing cologne that you use. In fact, the day that you and I shook hands, Sandro, I did not shower and you gave me a kiss. So I was feeling really good about myself. You kissed me on the cheek, you know? And so I, I was feeling really good about myself. You, that, uh, you are one of those you. few people I immediately connected <laughs> with when we met because you are, you are, oh, one, you are one special guy. So um, I, on the subject of your two wonderful sons, tell me, uh, if you would, share with us what I think it was Christian said to you when you were in hospital, when you were first recovering from your accident. Do you remember what it was? Yeah, I mean, Christian said a lot of things. Uh, yeah, so he, so he, you know, he, 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 Christian was very empathetic when, when I first uh, saw him with my new circumstance. And, and he took all my thought process away of me being numb because he came right up to me and we started playing catch even though my hands didn't work we just started rolling the ball back and forth on my lap he would sit on my feet which I couldn't feel and he would roll the ball um, up up towards my stomach and I would just push it back with my elbows and we did that and it took my mind off of my circumstance and Mm. 
And he, we did that so much that, that when the time came for him to go home with mom that night, and my dad was going to stay with me that night, Christian did not want to leave. Ace did not want to leave. We, we call him Ace, but, but so forgive me if I go back and forth, but okay. Christian did not want to go home. And he put up a fuss. And I mean, he was adamant that he did not want to leave his father. And, and forgive me, because this, this takes me back almost 20 years. This, yeah. this kid's got heart. I mean, he wouldn't, he wouldn't leave. And so I told Shondell that you know, if it was okay with her, that I would like him to stay with me and that I would do the best I could with the nurses to, to, to make sure that his needs were met and, and that I, I really needed him to be my, to be my medication, you know, that night. Um, I, I really needed him. And so when I put it to her that way, she, you know, she had her reluctance, but she agreed and she just didn't want, you know, to, didn't want him to get into any of the, the tubes and all the wires and stuff that were hooked up to my body and that kind of a thing. But I, I was doing much better with him there. And so that night he stayed with me. We woke up the next morning and the nurse came in and, and Christian quickly, quickly covered himself, his body up with all the sheets. And, <laughs> and, uh, it was, it was kind of funny. And I, I said, Christian, you know, it's, it's time for us to get up. We're going to go do some therapy and play some more basketball. And she, the Christian said, you know, I'd like the nurse to leave for just a minute. Dad, I want to talk to you. And I said, well, well what's the problem? You, you can help the nurse help me get dressed and let's go, let's go play some basketball. He said, well, I'll, I'll, I'll get up, but I just want the nurse to know that you, you, you peed on me last night, daddy. And I, I said, that's, you know, the nurse, the nurse, the nurse quickly ran over to my side and she checked the tubes that were hooked up to my body. And she said, Christian, your, your dad's tubes are all just fine. Yeah, you know, your, your, your dad didn't have any problem last night. And, and, uh, and, you know, it was obviously Christian that had a bad dream about, he said, I had a bad dream about the bale of hay that fell on you. And, and I, uh, and, uh, and, but he was adamant that, that he was not the one that had the accident, but I had the accident. Mm-hmm. And once we made it clear that I'm the one that had the accident and somewhere there must've been a leak in the tube, he was fine to get up and go and that I was the one that peed all over him and that he didn't, <laughs> he didn't pee on me. And so it was, and that's kind of a funny story that we still share today. Oh, um, bless but that. you know, but isn't that funny that, that he stayed there and he was willing to sacrifice for me, but that night in the hospital, he did have a dream about the helicopter that took his daddy away. He had a dream and the kids potty trained. He was fine. He was fine. But that one night, that one night he would have an accident and it would be the first night that he would stay with me in a, in a, in a hospital room where he would have a dream about his daddy being taken away. And, and it would cause him enough anxiety that he would, he would have a, a bladder accident mm. or, or, or wet his pants. And, you know, what came about was funny and that's all well and great. But I just think that I think there's something special about that. Yeah. You know, very, very special. Bless that boy. Um, so I'll ask you another question in a second. But before we get there, what, what advice, given everything you've said so far, Chad, what advice would you give to anyone whose life has been, you know, probably not as dramatically changed as yours, but, you know, whether it's business, whether it's a, a, a personal issue that they have to deal with, how do people transition and get through these these challenges? Because you are you are a consummate professional when it comes to sharing your wisdom. So 
if you wouldn't mind, just, no, I, just share a couple of insights into how so I'll people... Give, I'll give a few. I'll give a few. Focus on what you have and not on what you've lost. I, I, there's a lot of power in that. I think we've, we've touched on that a little bit today, um, this evening. Uh, we, we've got to focus on what we have and not, not on what we've lost. And, and that's, that's a big one. I think number two, you're only as good as the five people you surround yourself with. Now, we all have friends that, you know, some of us have friends that are more than five, but, but the five that are closest to you, um, have a great impact on your life and you're never number one and you're never number five in that group. You're always number three. You're the average of the five people you hang around the most. And so make sure that you pick five people that are always bolstering you up. that are always telling you that you can achieve what others say that you cannot achieve. I, I make sure that I, I'm always surrounded by people that say, Hey, you can do this. Hey, man, you can, you can set this world record, Chad. Hey, Chad, you can figure out how to get dressed. I know you can do this. Hey, Chad, you can still be married to a girl even though you can't hold her hand. I know you can. I'm trying to hang around those people mm. that, that tell me that I can versus those that are maybe a little bit diluted by possibilities. And so I think that's a, that's a good – that's some more secret sauce. And then maybe number three – uh, just, just like this is, is to find a way to contribute back. Um, what two things happen, Sandro, whenever we focus on contributing back and it doesn't, it doesn't mean give money that has nothing to do with money at all, that many people contribute without giving money. Two things happen when you find somewhere to give to somebody else. The first thing is your focus becomes on other people and not your own problems. That's the first thing. The second thing that happens is even better your problems become less significant to you. So when I'm focused on the audience for tomorrow or when I'm focused on my kids' basketball games, when I'm focused on that, I don't have time to focus on what I've lost. I just don't have the time because mm. the mind can only focus on one thing at one time. And so when I'm focused on those things, I, don't, I just don't have time to worry about the fact that my legs don't work. I don't have time to worry about that. So I, I hope that makes sense. So those are three nuggets. I'll just call them nuggets that allow me to try and stay positive, which does not mean that every day is a, is a, is a good day. And I think that's an important piece to this is yeah. that every day it's, it's not that it's a battle. It's not that, I mean, I, it's not that, but, but, but I don't want people to have the false illusion or the false hope that I am trouble free or that my mind is perfect. And absolutely not. I still have challenging days mm. and they, they occur but I quickly get out of that mindset and reset my mind to where it needs to be. So you mentioned, Chad, that the two words world record. What on earth possess you to do a 500 mile uh, wheelchair challenge? Let's call it that. I mean, where did that come from? So just for my friends over in the UK, um, how far is 500 miles? It's like 100 million kilometers. Is that right? Is that, a, is that is, <laughs> roughly? Is, yeah, it's a bit like yeah, the, roughly, it's roughly a bit right like there. the sterling so, yeah, dollar exchange rate at the moment. Oh uh, no, I just want to. The short answer to that question is, I just wanted to prove to myself that I could still. I've always been competitive by nature and I, we've always been athletic, but I couldn't do some of those things after the accident. In other words, I couldn't kick a, kick a football, right. To play, to play football. I couldn't play basketball. I, uh, and I struggled with that a little bit. And so I found pushing my wheelchair with my elbows was about the only thing that I could do. So when I got some elbow pads and taped up my elbows and I, I figured that I could do that. And, and I wanted to do that 
and do it in a way that no one had ever done before. Mm. So I trained for 18 months to set that record just to prove to myself, not to anybody else. I didn't want to be better than anybody else. I just wanted to do something that maybe nobody else had ever done before. And the second piece of that was to give hope to people to not just think outside the box, but to throw the box out the window. Mm. And that's what that that's what that world record was a symbol of is just get rid of the box. Don't let other people's records hold you back from, from setting your own world record. So it was more of a record for me than it was a record for the world. Well, kudos to you. So uh, our time, unfortunately, very unfortunately, um, hopefully you'll come back and do part two with us because people will be phoning in and dialing in and emailing us saying, please get Chad Hymas back. But before we go, Um, Can I ask you one kind of quick final question? Let's imagine that uh, you have, well, let's imagine that Christian is on one knee and Kyla is on the other and they're saying, Dad, give us some words of wisdom. We're going to go out into the big wide world and we're going to start a business or just try and find our way in life. What words of wisdom, I know you've touched on a few of these already, Chad, but what words of wisdom would you give to a 15-year-old version of yourself, for example, um, in a, in a few words, kind of uh, a summary, if you like. I would just say, I, 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 my answer is simple, but my answer, my answer is this. There's no such thing as false hope. Only false hopelessness. Because for everything that we cannot do in life or that people say that can't be done, there's more that we can do. And I want you guys to go out and focus on how you can achieve what your dreams are. My dreams are coming true today, not in spite of my challenges, but because of them. So I, I, I want to make sure that, that that answer, what I just said is very clear. I am living dreams today, not in spite of my challenges, but because of my physical challenges. So I want the audience and especially our youngsters, our young people, and, and even our young adults that have these big visions, these big dreams, and to, to be an entrepreneur or whatever it might be, to be very, very careful what they believe about achieving those goals because whether they believe they – you've heard this. Whether they believe they can achieve it or they believe that they cannot, they are absolutely right. Mm. And it's because of what I believe that I'm able to travel the world alone, be married to a beautiful girl, take care of my family, provide for them their needs and and and, and some extras. It's because of what I believe. It's not because I'm rich. It's not because I – I'm stronger. It's simply because of what I choose to believe. Yeah. I want these yeah. kids to believe in themselves. Amazing. Great, great answer. Um, Chad, final thing, because it's important. People will be asking us how they get hold of you, uh, learn more about what you're doing, where you're speaking next. So tell us about your social media presence or generally how we find your website, anything like that. All you have to do, buddy, just a real simple answer. Just go to Google. And just Google my name, um, Chad, <laughs> Chad Hymas, C-H-A-D-H-Y-M-A-S. And you can find us on all the social media outlets, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, YouTube, and, uh, and our website. And you'll see some great videos there and some great footage. And, and hopefully that'll, that'll capitalize on some of the things we've talked about today. Well, this, this podcast, Chad, has been inspirational. It's been real, honest. And I have to say on a personal level, you are one truly remarkable and dare I say, lovely man. I'm looking forward to seeing you at NSA. But in the meantime, my love to Shondell, uh, Christian and Kyla. And I'm looking forward to seeing you really soon. So likewise, uh, take care of yourself, Sandra. We'll see you at NSA. Looking forward to it. Take care, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. 
That was the Sandro Forte podcast and what a fabulous guest Chad Hymas was. Remember, there are many more fantastic guests joining me over the coming weeks, so please make sure you subscribe if you want to pick up some more great tips on success. Remember, as always, you can follow us on social media at Sandro's Podcast. You'll know by now that Sandro's with an S, same on all channels. And we'd love to hear your stories, ideas, anecdotes, challenges, or just whatever motivates you. So please keep them coming and email us hello at sandrospodcast.com. And of course, if you can, please do leave those reviews on iTunes so we'd know what you'd like more of in the future. Thank you.